Today, as you, we want to continue to talk about how to recognize uh, the voice and the will of God for our lives. Uh, this has been uh, kind of a extremely important issue uh, topic to talk about. I think it's one of the probably one of the topics that Carol and I have discussed thought about more often than anything else. No matter no matter what we and talk about, we somehow always end up back on this subject, and that's how do we recognize the voice and the will of God for our lives? How do we know when God is speaking to us? And how do we know how to navigate in times like this? There's a prayer that we always pray as we go into the Word, and Carol and I are just going to read this through and then get right into it. Lord, I pray that the, the Word would find good soil in my heart. I reject the thoughts of offense, where the light of your word exposes my sin. I do not take offense. I will change and turn to you, my heavenly Father. I reject condemnation. Your word says that Jesus did not come to condemn me. This word does not come to condemn me, but it comes to heal me. I reject accusation. Satan is the accuser of brothers and sisters. And this word does not come to abuse me or abuse me. This word exposes Satan and his lies, and I choose to believe and receive the truth. God says in this word, Cast on my eyes for they and my ears for they hear. Many prophets in righteousness desire to see what I see and did not see it, and to hear what I hear and did not hear it. Therefore, I will hide your word in my heart, that I might not sin against or miss the will of God. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your word today. Bless the Lord. Today we're going to talk about faith, uh, and particularly, uh, particularly obedience to God. Uh, so remember that, faith, obedience to God. Uh, I just want to do a quick review of things that we have talked about since we first got on this topic and why it's so important. We're in the midst of a social justice protests in our country, and one of the things that I showed everyone was this uh, chart that shows the levels of protests going on in the United States because all protests are all the same and not all on the same level. The first level of protesting that we just the individual who's had a negative experience or some negative experiences, and they have concerns for huge encounters, uh, whether it's with police, or in the job, uh, or in the grocery store, wherever it is in society, they're constantly having personal negative experiences, and they have concern for it to keep happening. So these are the people that tend to be peacemakers. They're just looking for unity and agreement. And so in their response, they may or may not demonstrate publicly. They prefer to express in public forums or in private conversations. Uh, then the next level is these are the people who are looking for changes in public policy and in the laws. They want to do more than just uh, have a public forum and talk about the situation. They actually want to see policy and law changes. They tend to look for peaceful resolution, though, that's why they try to make the changes through the law or through public policy. They will demonstrate publicly, 
they'll have marches and rallies and they'll even what some have been referred to as civil dis disobedience acts. This was very much the, the strategy of Dr. King uh, when they called for boycotts, like in Memphis, they boycotted the bus system. Um, and so the acts of civil disobedience is a, a big part, civil disobedience is a big part of this level of protest. Uh, again, uh, they have marches and rallies, but they usually uh, end in violence. It, ending in, it may, although they may have violence, a violent reaction, which is absolutely what happened under the, the civil rights marches, uh, but they didn't come out to fight. In fact, what many people, was especially in, in Birmingham, required that all participants uh, sign off on what they called a, uh, a pledge card, a, Ten commandments and their list of things that you could and could not do. And one of them was that you would not retaliate. So if you ever wonder when you look back at the historical films and video of why African Americans, black, black and white, everybody that was marching together, the reason why they did not fight back was because they had already both trained and prepared to not retaliate. Uh, and so that's why you usually saw them getting arrested. They weren't fighting back. Even when they were being beaten, they were not fighting back. They were trying to protect, protect themselves. themselves, but they still would not retaliate. Uh, so that's that level of protesting. Level three is the, these are people who are looking for changes, not only in laws and policy, but they're looking for changes in leadership. They actually want to see personal changes. They tend to be, this tends to be more covert activity, meaning behind the scenes. These are people who will go into lobbying legislators. They promote boycotts also, social media campaigns. They're calling for firings. They're calling for resignation because they actually want to see people, personnel changes, not just the law, but even the lawmakers. <laughs> they want to see that level of change. Um, level four, is these are people who are looking for actually not just changes within the government, but they actually want to see a new government structure. And that's very much what we have happening today. Actually, it's been going on all along. It's been happening in our world since World War One. So this is actually, we're in the midst of a serious 100 year, almost, yeah, 100 year battle uh, for uh, global supremacy. And so I'm not here to give you a history lesson, but basically it's the same thing that's been going on for a hundred years. Same. same fight that's been going on. That is uh, people who are looking for absolute global dominance. And so you'll hear words like socialism, you'll hear words like communism, you'll hear words like Marxism, you'll hear words like globalism. Well, all of those are very much a part of what's going on in our world. Uh, but also in the mix of these, you have people who are out marching for gay marriage, or for pro-choice, or for pro-life, for women's rights, for uh, civil rights, uh, for control, for immigration. So a whole lot of things all get in the mix of this. And so I share this with you so that you understand that when you are talking about different agendas, it's not just the agenda that many of these people are after. They are really looking for a new government structure. Let that sink in. 
They're, they're not just simply after getting their agenda put in place. Many of them are looking for a change in the government structure, a whole new government, <laughs> a whole nother type of government. And so that's why it's so important. And many people have found themselves in some of these protests and they were shocked when they found that out. They were absolutely shocked. They didn't know that it was that deep. And some of you may be saying, Pastor Chris, is that deep? Yes, it's that deep. <laughs> it really is. Uh, and some of the things that they do um, is that they will organize events and activities within or inside of the agendas of somebody else's agenda. For instance, like what happened uh, with when George Floyd was killed and Breonna Taylor and Aubrey um, um, and many others, you yes. know, it goes, this goes back. I mean, yes. Michael Brown and then go back, you know, hundreds to the last 200 years, actually 400 years here in America from slavery through Jim Crow, through the new Jim Crow, uh, through the civil rights marches and battles and all the way up until today. Uh, there, there's always been uh, different agendas and different fights going on. But today, what we have now is when events and activities are organized, infiltrators will come in and they will infiltrate a legitimate peaceful protest and undermine all of the efforts. In order to get what they want. In order to get what they want. And so there are people who saw the momentum of what was building up after George Floyd was killed and they infiltrated. They took it over. They took it over. And so legitimate peaceful protests, as you have seen, seem to always turn into violent. this violent and rioting and destruction. And so, um, and so one of the things that they also do is they, in, in media, they go and they create narratives and visual messages that underscore their true agenda. And they are actively a push, pushing for a new government order. That's really, that's what's happening. So that's level four. And then at the top, the highest level, you have people who are actively creating a new world government structure. Like what Jeremy mentioned, socialism, globalism. And this is the elite group uh, these are the, you know, the highly elite. When I say elite, I mean they are beyond our wildest dreams of wealthy uh, and dominance and power. And these are groups of people, individuals who have the power and the money to initiate and to fund and promote and control and to guide the overall agendas that they are pushing. So this may sound like conspiracy theory, but it's not. And the proof of that, I can just, and I'm not going to get into it today, Maybe we will in times in the future, but we'll show you in the Bible. This has always been the effort of man going all the way back to the Tower of Babel. So that's why I say it's nothing new. This goes back thousands of years. And I just mentioned the last hundred years of history uh, that have happened since World War I. But actually, you can go back thousands of years, all the way back to the Tower of Babel, when all of humanity gathered together to build a tower that they said that will reach into the heavens because they wanted to exalt themselves above God, that we will be united as one world to overthrow God. And that agenda, when it, inside of the hearts of men and women, has never left. Never left. It still exists. It's ne never left. And so as you, if you know the story of the Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis, 
God himself had to come down and confuse their language and scatter them. And since that time, uh, regime after regime, government after government, people group after people group have sought to create a one world, uh, in, you know, empire. empire. That's the word. That, thank you. That's the word. Empire. And there will be an emperor to rule them all. And so we've seen that effort happen. Uh, and if, if those of you who've been through high school and college and studied world history, you'll see there's always been somebody that's come along and tried to dominate the entire world, <laughs> always. And now in this age of technology, we see uh, the actual ability to accomplish what, was, what man set out to do thousands of years ago with the Tower of Babel. So this isn't Pastor Chris speaking for its conspiracy theory. What I'm telling you is this is something that's been going on and the Bible shows it both in Genesis and then you look at the book of Revelation. So in the beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible, we see the Bible clearly addresses this issue of man seeking to unite themselves on this planet against God and his order. And that's what this is all about. So that's why you heard us declaring at the beginning of this today that we're just saying right up front, our allegiance is with God. Yes. That, that's just it. <laughs> that's where we are. Our allegiance is with God. Um, and so that's what all of that has been about. So the question for us has been then, how do we navigate this time in America and around the world? How do we navigate through this? Uh, and so our answer to that question has been, we've got to recognize the voice and the will of God. You got to recognize when God is speaking to you. So we took from the book of James chapter one, starting at, at the second verse, and we read this particular passage of scripture. And it, it starts off with this very familiar for, for some of you. It says, the, the, writer, the writer says, consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials, be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, and endurance leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. Verse four says, and let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you know, wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance is to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it would be given to him. Notice he said, then Mr. Trial, and everything that you're going through, we are to ask God for wisdom to guide us through the decision and the circumstance that we're in. Many reason why we always pause to make this point is because many people have been told when you're in the midst of a trial to ask for faith. But that's not what James said. James said to ask for wisdom. And we ask for wisdom in a certain way. Now let's look at it in verse six. But he must ask for wisdom in faith. Isn't that amazing? Just that I'm, I'm not trying to play word tricks with you. I'm just trying to show you how there have been different things that have been taught that throws off the meaning of scripture. And part of the reason why people are burning the Bible today is because they feel that it's false and it doesn't work. 
because they don't understand that it's not that the principles of the Bible don't work. The principles were not often were not taught properly, correctly from the very beginning. And so when people didn't see the results that they were told that they were going to get, then they throw away their Bible. And now we live in a world where people actually think about that, everybody. We live in a world, we live in a country where now people feel bold enough to publicly burn the Bible. And we're asserting that part of the reason why they are doing that is because somewhere in their life's experience, some of them tried the Bible, meaning they tried to do what somebody told them the Bible said, but they weren't taught these things correctly. And so that little twist, uh, you know, when you're in the midst of a trial, the Bible doesn't say ask for faith. It said ask for wisdom in faith. Uh, I happen to be an English grammar geek. Uh, Carol and I have written 14 books. We've uh, edited books. We've even had uh, other authors to come to us and ask us to edit their books because grammar and stuff, we know. <laughs> Believe me, we know grammar uh, and spelling and all of that. We, you know, some of you, that may not have been your strong subject in, in, uh, in elementary school or in high school or in college, but for, but for me and not for us, that was, that was strong for us. And so when it comes to grammar and sentence structure, uh, it's very important that you, that you kind of get nitpicky about things like that because it totally changes the meaning of a sentence the way phrases are put within the way the sentence is structured. And so for the Bible to say he must ask for wisdom in faith is different from saying you must ask in faith. Just what's the difference in the word? One says, it says, ask for wisdom. And where did that come from? Why did it say for wisdom in that brackets there? Because to understand why that bracket has for wisdom in there is because if you go back to the original phrasing of the sentence, when you go all the way back to verses uh, four, go back to verses two and three and four and five, you can, uh, that's where you pick up the understanding in the grammar structure of this entire statement of why the object of the asking was for wisdom and not just for faith. That's why all that grammar stuff matters. <laughs> Because if you had somebody who was teaching you this passage of scripture and they didn't understand grammar and sentence structure, then they'll teach you something that that's not what it meant. Uh, and some of you probably hated English grammar and hated grammar, period. Uh, and then we had to do vocabulary and comprehension and they have you read a story and make you do a report about it. And I hated that stuff. But now you can see why it's so important because now in a time, in a critical time in our world where we really need to understand the Bible and what it means, then now we can see why some of that stuff that we might have just pushed aside when we were coming through school, now we can see now it's life and death. Life and death about having the correct understanding of the scriptures. So let me continue, said but. He must ask for wisdom and faith without doubting God. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect 
isn't it amazing? Or not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways. And in all his ways, meaning in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. And again, we always pause at this point to say many of us been, have, have been uh, taught that this scripture means that a double-minded person is the type of person who uh, can't make up their mind if whether they want to live saved or not. But that's not what he's talking about. Going again, going back to sentence structure and all that stuff, you must ask for God. You must ask for wisdom in faith. And we have taught, which we're going to reiterate today, that faith is always involves three things, getting insight from God and then coming into agreement with God. And then what we're going to talk about today, obedience to God. So when you ask God for wisdom, you're asking God in faith with an expectation that he's going to speak to me. And I'm going to come in agreement to what he speaks to me. And then I'm going to do what he tells me. And so when he says, when a person who doubts what God speaks to them, when a person doubts instead of agreeing with God, and of course the person who disobeys God, that such a person shouldn't expect that they receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because you're not willing to receive the insight that God is giving you, the wisdom that he's giving you. So you become double-minded. What's double-minded? I got one side, I know what God is telling me, and the other side is, I know what I want to do. So I don't want to do what God is telling me. God can be telling me, save your money, save your money, save your money. Don't buy this. Don't spend it on that. You go, I'm going to do it anyway. So you're double-minded. You got what you want to do versus what God is telling you to do. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so you become unstable and restless in all your ways. And I don't know if you've ever been to the ocean, uh, uh, but if you go to the ocean and you look and see how the wind can toss those waves. It is incredible when you just consider how heavy water is and that the wind has the power, the wind has the power to move water. And the Bible says that we become like that water that's pushed by those waves. In other words, I can be heavy in my thoughts and so set in my, and all of that, but you become like the waves that get blown, tossed all over the place, unstable and restless in every way you think, in your feelings, and in your decisions. And so now can you see if you've got people who never really understood what faith really is, who never really understood why wisdom is so important, why they end up with a life that's unstable, unstable emotionally, unstable in their relationships, unstable in their finances, unstable in everything, just like the word of the Lord says. And then here's the worst part. Then you get mad at God because you said, none of this stuff works. <laughs> none of this Bible stuff works. And that's why, you know, that, that that's how you end up in that place. So uh, just to reiterate, we had talked Faith involves insight from God, agreement with God, and obedience to God. And the first thing that we looked at was how to know when God is speaking to you, insight from God. That's what insight is about. Insight from God is, is this. You ask yourself this question. Is what I'm receiving, if what I'm hearing, is this true? Does it comply with the word of God? And then another way that you know that you're getting insight from God is, is the inner witness of the Holy Spirit there? Is there peace from God? Is the peace of God present 
on what I believe I'm hearing from God. And then the other is, you'll notice you're getting insight from God is over a period of time, the people, the places, and the, and the things or the circumstances will begin to conform or surrender to the revealed will of God or to the known will of God. So that's just a quick way. How do I know that I'm, what I'm hearing is coming from God and that it'll be in compliance with his word, the peace of God will be there, and God will make the circumstances change. Another way of thinking is this way. Uh, is this thought, this idea, this feeling, this dream, uh, is it true to the word of God? Does it comply to the principles of the word of God? And when we say the principles of the word of God, we mean verbatim, word for word. Can you go right to the scripture and word for word find the precise meaning and the definition as you read the scriptures themselves? Isn't that awesome? Because there have been things that people have said, this is God, this is God, and it doesn't agree with his word. It just doesn't. And so it doesn't comply with the principles, and it's not there. You can't even find it in scripture. There are some things that you know that we're quoting as if though it's scripture, but it's not even in the word of God, or there have been scriptures that have been misquoted. I've, we've shared many of those with you, so I won't go through that right now. Go back and look at some of the previous messages and you'll find some of the, the things that we have quoted. I mean, we have quoted them. We'll take half of the scripture. We'll start off with the first part of a scripture and then we'll end it with something else that's not scriptural. <laughs> we, and we've taken songs. There have even been great gospel songs that we have elevated above the actual word of God. I can't tell you the number of times where I hear some gospel artist or some worship artist sing a song. And then when you stop and think about what you're actually saying, you go, wait a minute, that's not what the Bible says. And so that means that whatever, even though it sounds great, it's not insight from God because it has to comply with the principles of the word of God, or you have to find it verbatim, word for word, the precise meaning and definition that God means by that. We gave you several scriptures. I won't go through those again this week, but you gave you several scriptures that you can look at uh, to kind of help you to understand what it means to have insight from God. When it comes to that inner peace that the Holy Spirit gives, the word that we use as an inward certainty, uh, the tranquility of peace of mind that comes through reconciliation. What, what, what that means is the same peace that you have, that you know that you're a child of God, God will lead you by that same peace. When you give your heart to the Lord, you should have an assurance and a peace. And if you don't, then you may need to go back and revisit that because you and I, if you're, if you're just living saved because you're scared to go to hell, that's not the same thing as having the peace that I'm his child. And so unfortunately, that's another one of those things that has happened through the eons of time in the church of uh, people who said the sinner's prayer, just repeated back what these people said to said for him to say. And they thought, because I said the phrases and all of that, then I'm saved. And now you just live your life trying to stay saved, trying to stay holy because you're scared to go to hell. That's not the same thing as having the inner peace that I am his son, I am his daughter. Yeah. So you may need to revisit that if that's not what you have actually experienced, that I have the peace that I'm his. Um, because, why is that so important? Because when it comes to making decisions every day and praying and reading the word, and how do you know that God is speaking to me, 
that same peace will be there. The same peace that you know you're saved, that same assurance that you know you're saved, God leads you with that same assurance for your everyday decisions. Wow, do I have any witnesses online today? Bless the Lord. And the last way, way we see the peace of God, the Bible says, let the peace of God rule. That word peace of rule means let God, let the peace of God be the umpire. Like in baseball, you know, the umpire is the guy who's saying, you know, every time there's a pitch thrown, they say it's a ball or it's a strike or somebody slides into home plate to score some points. They say either safe or they're out. Well, the Bible says that when it says that the peace of God be the umpire, that that's what it means. That whatever thoughts are coming across your mind, whatever circumstances are happening, let the peace of God be the one that says that's safe or that's out. All that don't come in. No, no. So now you see why that's so important that you know that you're saved because that same assurance will be there saying safe or out or fair or foul, good or bad. <laughs> that's very, very important today. And we gave again several scriptures that you could read through uh, to help you in understanding what it means to walk in that level of assurance. And then the final way first you know that you walking with insight from God is really over a period of time. There are certain things that uh, God will speak into your life or someone may speak to you, share with you, and you just have to, sometimes we say, put it on the shelf and watch and wait over time, over a period of time, and see that the people, the places, and the circumstances will conform or surrender to the revealed known will of God. And you see that with the heroes of the faith, which we're gonna be talking about. There are just certain things, they just have to walk it out and wait and see as as God's word came to pass. From I will if, if at least share with you this one scripture, Romans 8, 28. This is a very familiar one. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And again, it's another one of those key phrases. Some Sometimes people say those who are called according to his purpose, but it says the called. Again, that's one of those little nitpicky things, but it's important. There's a difference between those who are called according to his purpose and those who are the called, meaning you're one of his. So it's not just for everybody. So this ain't something that you, a scripture that you will share with somebody who don't have a relationship with God because it wouldn't apply to them because they're not the called. <laughs> and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Isn't that awesome to see that? I know Pastor Chris is getting on like, my Lord, you getting all into adverbs and adjectives and articles. You know, the is an article. Uh, and that stuff is important because there's a difference and that one word changes that entire sentence. Yeah. The called according to his purpose. So you know it's going to work together and when you're walking in insight from God. Um, let me just continue. Uh, so the other thing that we talked about last time we got together, we talked about agreement with God. That was an awesome time that we shared together in that word about understanding what agreement with God really means. Agreement meaning uh, to be in harmony, like a symphony, all the infinite instruments playing in the same key, even as they're harmonizing with one another. Uh, did you know, those of you who are involved in music, 
that if you're singing a certain note and you know, like a soprano singing a note, alto, tenor, baritone or bass, four part harmony, that if you change keys and you stay on your same note, you'll be off. Because if the key changes, you can't stay on the same note that you were singing. Now you've got to change and go to the note that applies to that key to stay in that harmony. Yeah, and there are many people who are stuck. They're still singing the same notes that they were singing in the 90s. And now we're in 2020 and they're like, I don't understand why everybody won't sing along with me. Like I think because God didn't change keys. We're playing in a different key. In some cases, we're playing a whole nother song. And you're still singing the lyrics and the song from, uh, from 30 years ago. We're not singing that song anymore. And we're not singing in that key anymore. Isn't that something? And so we know you're in agreement with God when you can stay in harmony with his word. And that, that means we do what God is saying and it, even the way God says. Sometimes we'll do what God says, but we won't do it the way. Meaning with the right attitude, the right understanding the right perspective, the right disposition. <laughs> and here's another one, at the right time. The timing of God has a lot to do with being in agreement with God. It can sometimes we're doing what God said, but it's not the right time. I did that when we first moved here to Harrisburg. Things that God, yeah, is what he wanted me to do. But I was moving too fast. I was still trying to move at the pace from that. I was trying to move at St. Louis, Missouri pace when I got to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I had to find out South Central Pennsylvania don't move at that pace. Business doesn't, education doesn't, you know, medical field, everywhere we went, nobody moved at that pace. It even took me a long time, and I still struggle sometimes, even talking at the pace of South Central Pennsylvania. I tend to talk uh, when I hear a pause in the conversation, I'll start talking because where I come from, if there's a pause, that means jump in. But people are still formulating their thought. And so I find myself stepping on their words because I'm still not accustomed to the pace at which people even talk here because I come from a different pace of life. And so we can be that same way with God, understanding the flow and the timing of God. You can be ahead of him. And here's another one. You can be behind them. You can do what God says, but by the time you make up your mind that you can do it, it's too late. The moment is gone. You'll see that a lot uh, amongst many in the body of Christ. By the time they finally say yes to the Lord, times have changed, and now they're trying to do what God told them to do 30 years ago. Now I understand it's 2020. It's not, it's not 1995. So now you're trying to do stuff in 1995 methods, and we're now 25 years removed from that. But you took you 25 years to finally make up your mind, I'm going to obey God. And now you missed the moment. <laughs> so being in agreement also means doing things in the timing of God. Um, very important. The Bible actually says, I mean, you're familiar with this, Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the heaven. So you got to know, just recognize the seasons and the time when you're talking about the timing of God. Uh, Galatians 4.4 4 says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Think about it. Even God himself and all the 
from the time he made that promise to Adam and Eve that he was going to send a savior, send a deliverer, there, there, I mean, thousands of years went past before that savior actually came into the world. Wow. Wow. But the Bible says at the fullness of time, that's when he came. And so we have to be in, understand that about God. There are some promises that he can give us. And do you not know that there are some things that God can tell us and we'll jump into it. We're ready to get into it now and like you, you're ahead. And sometimes, like I said, you can be, God's already moved on and now you decide, I want to jump in. It's too late. I mean, I know there are people who says, uh, say things like, it's never, it's never too late. Oh, that's not true. Not according to the word of God. You can be too late. Read the story of the wise and the foolish virgins. The Bible doesn't teach that it's never too late. <laughs> the Bible teaches absolutely that you can be too late. Again, that's one of those man-made statements, one of those statements that's said in the world, and it's not true. Um, and you'll maybe even hear somebody say, in the good book, it says somewhere that it's never too late. No, the good book don't say that. Good book absolutely teaches it can be too late. You can miss the time. Yeah. Why am I sharing all of this? Why is Chris and Carol sharing all of this? Um, that's because Psalm 90, 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. There's that word wisdom again. Teach us to number our days to get an understanding about your timing, Lord, about the season that I'm in and how much time I have. God may not, may not give you the exact date that you're going to die, but you have a sense of urgency or a sense of flowing with him, a sense of I don't have time to wait, so I need to do what I'm supposed to do or be preparing uh, or posturing and positioning myself for what how God wants to use me. That's been our journey for many years. Carol and I are known for saying to young people, to uh, absolutely get yourself prepared because there's a once in a lifetime moment that's going to come. And when it comes, you need to be ready. It's a once in a lifetime moment. And if you miss it, it's gone. It will never come again. And so uh, that's what we, why we insist that you adopt this scripture as a part of your life. Lord, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom so that I don't waste time, so that I'm always prepared for the once in a lifetime moments that you're gonna bring my way. Thank you, Lord. And finally today, we wanna to talk about obedience to God. And we're gonna look at Hebrews 11 chapter, very, uh, again, another uh, passage of scripture that many are familiar with. Hebrews 11 uh, lists what Pastor Madeline referred to as heroes of the faith. I won't read through the entire passage, but just going to highlight some, and uh, you'll be you'll constantly see this word in this passage of scripture in Hebrews 11, and those are the two words by faith. And I connected this word to obedience to God because uh, how we must really grasp this third and important aspect of walking in faith. Uh, it's great to know God has spoken to you, and it's absolutely essential that you come into agreement and align your life with what he has spoken. But if you don't step out there and do it, 
<laughs> we know the scripture, faith without works is dead. You got to step out and actually do what God has given you insight of and what he is, what you're now aligning and agreeing with. Now it's time to step out and do it. And here is the history of what we, why we keep want to refer to this as obedience to God and walking by faith. Verse 3 of chapter 11 of Hebrews says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. That's a profound statement all by itself. Listen to that. The things that we see that were seen were not made of things that are visible. What were they made of? They were made by the literal word of God. God spoke and the worlds came into being. And we understand this by faith, by what? By insight that comes from God, agreement with God, and by obedience, the decision, the obedience in this place is to believe. You know that believing is an act of obedience. The disciples asked Jesus, what works must we do? What must we do in order to do the same works that you do? You do? And Jesus gave them an answer. He said, believe. Believe what I'm telling you. Activate. Wow. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 4 says, by faith, Abel. Remember the story of Cain and Abel? Uh, God told both of these brothers uh, to offer sacrifice. And the sacrifice had to be uh, of a of a lamb, spotless animal sacrifice to him. Uh, Abel, being a shepherd, gave God what he wanted, what he offered, what, what God asked for. Cain, his brother, being a farmer, offered up crops. And so God accepted Abel's offering. He rejected uh, Cain's offering. Again, sometimes our Sunday school teachers told us that Cain's offering was rejected because he didn't give God the best of his fruit. No, it was because he didn't give God what God asked for. <laughs> God didn't ask for no fruit and, and crops. They knew what the sacrifice was supposed to be. It was supposed to be an animal. You know why Cain didn't want to do that? Because he didn't want to have to go to his brother yeah. and ask for an animal to sacrifice. You see that a lot today. And so God approved what Abel offered and he disapproved what Cain offered and we know the story when Cain when killed his brother Abel out of envy that's crazy isn't it but the Bible says by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he meaning Abel obtained witness that he was righteous God testifying of his gifts. God testified. God spoke concerning Abel's gift. You gave me what I wanted. And so I accredit righteousness to you because you gave me what I asked for. And through it, you obeyed me. That's why we said faith is ultimately obedience. Do what God said. Give him what he asked for. That's all that comes down to. Abel gave God what he asked for. Cain didn't. Wow. You said this obedience part is important to God, isn't it? Yes, it is. Give him what he asked for. 
God called it a more excellent sacrifice. Credited to him as righteousness. Wow, simply because you obeyed me. You did what I asked for. So where do you see Abel's heart? And that is, God spoke. This is what I asked for. He agreed. He agreed, and then he obeyed. He offered to God what God insight and agreement, and then he obeyed. Now, you're going to see this pattern all the way through. Verse 6 says, we've all heard this scripture many times, but I'm going to insert in it that definition of faith that we've been giving you, so hopefully this will make it a little bit clearer. Verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now let's insert that definition of faith we've been giving you. Without insight from God, without agreement with God, and without obedience to God, it is impossible to please God. Doesn't that, isn't that all, Pastor Chris getting excited, you can tell I am. But you, can you see it now? Because many times we thought when we heard that word faith, it's up to me to believe real hard. And no, it just comes down to without a word coming to you from God and without you agreeing with God's word and without you obeying what he's telling you to do, it's impossible to please him. Wow. Somebody bless the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. So I can sense in your spirit, go, yeah, I get that. I understand that. Now faith isn't this super hard, impossible thing for me to grasp. No, it's not. Because it's not on, It's not up to us to do nothing except for agree with him and obey him. That's it. <laughs> in spite of how crazy it may look to other people, you can know, no, I got this insight from God, and I'm lining my, up, my life up with what he done told me, and I'm going to obey and live for him. That's what this all comes down to. Bless the Lord today. Verse 7. Now we can start looking at some of those heroes that Pastor Madeline said, along with, along with Abel. He said, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared in art for the saving of his household. There's the same pattern. Do you see it? First of all, where did the insight from God come from? The Bible says being divinely warned of things not seen. So the insight came from God. God told Noah, build an ark. Build it this tall, this wide, this, this long. Here, here's this deep. Put, make it with this wood and put this substance on it. And here are the floors. And in other words, the instructions all came from God. And this man started cutting down trees and doing what God said. And he did it. And it took 120 years. He agreed with God, and then he started obeying God. That's why I highlighted that. Say, well, highlighted the part where it says he moved with godly fear, prepared an ark. There's the obedience. Agreement and obedience. Yeah. He did it. God spoke. He agreed. He did it. Next example. By faith, Abraham, the Bible just straight up says, obeyed when he was called. Where's the, see it, see it, see the pattern? He obeyed when insight came from God. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. 
and he went out. There's that, there's that obedience. He went out not knowing where he was going. Anybody felt like that? God, I don't know where you taking me. I don't know what this is, but I know that this is you telling me. So if I got to pack up my stuff and just set out, then I'm going to obey you. I'm moving out. Here's the next one. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. In other words, his son and his grandson continue in the same pattern, that we're just simply following what God, Jehovah, told us. Insight came to Abraham. Abraham passed it on to, uh, to Isaac, and Isaac on to Jacob. Dwelt in the land. And then the next one says, verse 10 says, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I got several sentences highlighted in there, but I want to show you the pattern for all of our lives, walking and living in America today. We must be willing to, like Abraham, obey what God is telling us. So you hear these phrases? And he went out, not knowing where he was going, and he dwelt in the land of promise, and he waited for the city. You see that pattern? Verse 8, he went out not knowing where he was going. And then by faith, he dwelt in the land of promise. And then verse 10, he waited. All of us, you got to be willing to do this with God. You got to be willing to step out, leave the things that are familiar, and then you're going to have to be willing to go where, not only go where God tells you to go, but then to stay there. Many times when the trial gets hard, and it gets tough. You don't want to stay there. I don't want to dwell. I don't want. I'm, I want to get out of here. We can tell you for a lot of years here in Har in Harrisburg, we wanted to. We didn't want to dwell no more. No, Lord, we don't want to dwell no more. No, no, no. <laughs> and many people have done that. They they started out doing what God told them, but they were willing to go where God said go, but they weren't willing to stay where God said stay. And so all of why I'm worth sharing this, because this is all part of the obedience to God. Not only willing to go, but then be willing to stay. And then the third one, then be willing to wait. Be willing to wait for the foundations whose builder and maker is God. In other words, where God is sending you, only he can build that foundation. You can't make it happen, but you have to be willing to stay there and to wait until God performs what he promised. So you hear that today? All of this is part of the obedience walk. Just join with me right now. Lift your hands where you'll say, Lord, I choose to go out, not knowing where I'm going, but trusting you. And Lord, I choose to dwell in the land of promise, to stay where you have placed me. And Lord, I choose to wait for that city which has which foundations only you can build, that place that you have for me. But thank you, Lord God. The assignment that you have on my life, I choose to wait. I'm going to do all of them. I'm going to go out, I'm going to dwell, and I'm going to wait. All in obedience to you. In Jesus' name.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, take a moment and just bless the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 17 says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, some of you know the story when God told him to get up and go offer up his son, Isaac. The Bible says he offered up Isaac. See that obedience? It's gone. Here's another one, Moses, verse 27 of that same chapter. By faith, Moses, he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he, again, Moses, kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Remember the story, you know, the children of Israel in Egypt and the last, after the last, uh, after all the many plagues, and then he finally came down to God's word, came that he was going to let the angel of death come and destroy the firstborn in all of Egypt. And he gave God's people through Moses the instructions to, to uh, take the lamb, to kill it and sprinkle its blood over the doorposts of their homes. And so they all did that by faith. Insight came from God, they agreed with God, and then they simply obeyed God. They didn't, they didn't know uh, the full weight of what they were doing. They were just simply walking in this, in, in what faith really is, and what we're talking with you about today. This is what faith really is. They weren't believing real hard. That's no, they were just simply God spoke. I agree. Let's obey. Then verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea. See all these steps of obedience, forsook Egypt, kept the Passover, passed through the Red Sea. Can you imagine how scary that must have looked to go walking through that sea with water on both sides? Maybe kind of wondering if, are we going to make it all the way? Or is this water going to collapse down on us? Because <laughs> you see the very next, next part. It says, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Mm -hmm. so it was a real concern because <laughs> the Egyptians were drowned trying to do it. And so look at this, everybody. See these, I highlighted these words so you can see this is obedience. Forsook Egypt, kept the Passover, passed through the Red Sea. Action, action, obedience. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. And after what? They were encircled for seven days. God told Joshua, walk around this city once a day. And then on the seventh day, seven times. So that was by faith. God just spoke. Joshua agreed. They did it. And the results happened. Now you can see, I hope this is really helping you as you're seeing what faith really is. It's not us trying to believe real hard to make God do something for us or to make God answer our prayers. No, it always starts with God speaks first, and then we come into agreement with that, and then we obey him. It's, wow. You see, I can hear some of you saying, but God, Pastor Chris, what about our personal struggles and all the stuff that we're going through in this world? What, what does the Bible have to say about all of that? Glad you asked that question. Verse 32. <laughs> and what more shall I say, the writer says, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak 
and, and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Wow. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And if you were to read every single one of their stories, it was the same thing. God spoke, they agreed, they obeyed. Wow. But then comes the part that we don't think of this as faith, but it's still faith, and we got to walk in this today. Uh, I want to leave you today with these last few verses so that you can understand where we are, where I believe we're headed in America, because it's happening to believers all over the world. Others, in obedience to God, were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But this is a very necessary part so that we understand completely and fully what faith is. Because faith is not just, again, all these wonderful triumphant things we saw earlier when Moses uh, rejected all the riches and stuff of Egypt, choosing to suffer with God's people. Verse 36, the writer says, still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. What? Pastor Chris, that's faith? Yes. Why? Because it was done in insight from God, agreement with God, and obedience to God. That they might obtain a better resurrection. That they might obtain a better resurrection. So sometimes the resurrection and the glory ain't going to be on this side of this life. Let me continue. Verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world, listen, to, look at God's perspective, of whom the world was not worthy. See how God sees that? The world wasn't worthy of them. Mm. The world was not worthy of them. God's got a different point of view, don't he? The yeah. world wasn't worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Verse 39, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Those last two scriptures can sound really difficult to understand, but I want you to see it this way. Here's what it meant. And these having obtained a good report through faith, they were all commended and approved on account of their confidence in God. What that meant was when it said receive not the promise, that is, they did not receive the fulfillment of the promise or they did not receive all that was promised. They were still looking forward to God's promise of the Messiah, the Savior, and the King. All of those listed were people who were looking forward to Jesus. Mm. And they didn't see Jesus, but they still were willing to go through all of that, 
holding on to God's promise of sending the Messiah, the Savior, and the King through his people. And so they were willing to go through all of that, the good and the bad, looking forward to that promise. Now on our side, that's what you see in verse 40, God, God having provided something better for us. What do you mean by better for us? Here's what it means when he says that. God having foreseen something better for us. That is, God gave them promises that they were not allowed to see their fulfillment. We're permitted now to see what they were referred to. In other words, we're now looking back at the cross. They were looking forward to the cross. We're looking back at it. We can see what God's plan ultimately was. They were looking ahead to the future, that one day this Messiah is going to come and God's will and ultimate promise is going to be. Because you got to understand, when God took, called Abraham out, it wasn't just, it wasn't, he wasn't promising that it was going to be have all the uh, all this land and people and wealth. It was about the promise that was originally made to Adam and Eve in the garden. And God chose Abraham that you're going to raise up the people group that I'm going to bring the Messiah through. So some blessings and wealth and everything came with it, but also came some suffering and some persecution and some waiting and some dwelling and some opposition to what? To God's promise. But it didn't stop that promise from being fulfilled. And now we're here and we're looking back at the cross. And guess what? Why do we still have to go through some of those battles? Because we still got the same opposition. The enemy didn't want the Savior to get here, so he fought them. And how is he fighting us now that the Savior has been here and he's living in us? He don't want the word to get out. And he don't want others to come into that kingdom and come into that knowledge. So we suffer the same level of opposition as those who were looking forward to Jesus. We're looking back on the cross and we still got the same opposition. Yeah, we do. Isn't that something? Yes, so what's the ultimate goal from God? God wants our obedience, that we live our lives with, from insight from him and agreement with him and then obedience to him. Ultimately, it's all about obedience. Can you say that right now? It's about obedience. It's about obedience. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's what God is after. So that's why you constantly hear us every time, constantly going back to saying faith involves three key elements, insight from God, agreement with God, and I'll add this word, and ultimately it comes down to obedience to God. God, I'll obey you. Walk out and leave all that's familiar to follow you. I'll go where you said go. I'll stay where you say stay. And I'll wait. And in the midst of the waiting, here's the thing about it, everybody. I want to encourage you. In the midst of the waiting, there can be tremendous blessings and healing and prosperity that God can bring into your life. But we also have to be willing to deal with the opposition. Ultimately, coming to the place where we say, just like it was for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we're just passing through. We're just pilgrims. 
That's that old school stuff. Remember that? You used to say that? We're just pilgrims passing through. So don't you invest all of your life into this world that is passing. Mm -hmm. I yeah. want God to be able to say of all of us on this call, the same way he said of all these people that we just read about, that the world is not worthy of you. The world is not worthy I know that can sound kind of bold and arrogant, but we're not saying that about ourselves. That's what God wants to be able to say of us. Amen. That no matter what opposition that they face, even if some of us, like many believers around this world, have been executed, seeing things online all the time in various countries where Christians are being murdered for their faith, and God's not stopping it. He's not jumping in and rescuing them, just like he didn't rescue those and stop it for, for some of those who were looking forward to Jesus. Why? It's because down through the ages of time, God will always have a people and always have a generation that will say, for God I live, for, for God, God I will die. Amen. Yes, Lord. And so for all of us, it always starts with living our lives in this way of a total surrender to him. You know, you don't make up your mind that you're, or you don't, you don't try to decide if whether you're going to lay down your life for God while somebody has a gun pointed at your head. It's a decision that you make way before. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. You, you decide before the encounter, even when it comes to temptation. You don't decide in the midst of a, of a temptation if rather I'm going to do it or not. You've already decided. Mm -hmm. cool. I use me and my wife as an example. I think I, I don't know if I ever, I probably have shared with you guys a story early days in our home church with this young lady. I used to do the new members class in our church. This young lady waited around after class one Wednesday night to try to, and asked me to take her home. You know, she didn't have no ride home. But because Chris Green had already made up his mind long before the incident, you don't make up your mind in the moment when you've got a woman standing in front of you inviting you to take her home. I wonder if I'm going to be faithful to my wife or not. And no, I, that was a decision that was made long before an encounter happened. So what happens in the moment is you respond instantly to a decision that is all ready been made. Amen. So the same thing comes with our walk with the Lord. We make the decision now. Lord, my whole life belongs to you. Thank you, Lord. My life belongs to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. Thank you for bringing us to this place of the ultimate decision that for you we live, for you we die. We thank you for the places where some of us you are going to give us opportunities and there will be wealth and there will be influence and there will be opportunities. But Lord, we see them for what they are. They are places that you, like with Abraham, you called us out of familiar and you caused us to dwell in a land of promise. And Lord, we wait for you to build the city 
that you want to establish, the city that you want to establish through our lives, or the ministry, or the influence. That's when you see that word city, the influence, the, the, the hearts, the homes, the people that you want established in the land where you call me, where you sent me, but you have to do it. So we choose to wait on you, get insight from you, to agree with you, and to obey you. And for every bit of opposition that comes as I obey you, even if that opposition costs me my physical life, I want to be able to stand before you and hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's where we are, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for imparting into everyone on this call and those who may watch this video later. We thank you for imparting into them and granting to them the strength, the grace, the capacity to lay down our lives for you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we don't know what the future holds, but we know that you hold the future. Thank you, Lord. Lord, some of these movements where people are already burning Bibles, and we can already see much attack and persecution is coming against your church. Lord, we thank you for giving us the capacity right now to boldly stand, to not compromise our witness. Yes, Lord God, in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. I know this got a bit heavy today, but I just, I just, my wife can tell you I've been in, been so very sober these last few weeks and months because not in fear of what we see happening in our world, but just the reality of what's happening. There are things happening in America that we saw happening in other countries with believers, but we never really thought it would come here. We've seen Bibles burned in other countries, but we never thought we'd see that here. We've seen churches burned in other countries, but we didn't ever think we'd see that here. And now it's happening here. And I'm not saying this from the standpoint of being pessimistic and down and faithless. We're just saying when you look at scripture, when you look at scripture, that's part of the price and the pattern of those who follow God with their whole heart. And today we make up our minds. We make the decision today as a, as a group, as a family of believers, all on this call, we make the decision. I have decided, remember that old school song, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No, no turning back. Thank you, Lord. If none goes with me, still I will follow. I remember hearing that little song as a little boy. Didn't know what it meant back then. We know now. If nobody goes with me, Lord, I'm still going to follow you. If nobody else understands, I'm going to follow you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.